You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Babylon 5 ended a great war and united a hundred alien races in peace. Danger didn't die. It just went underground with new heroes and new evils to carry the torch. We need to make sure they all understand we will not be intimidated. What is wrong with you people? We have to set him against himself. It's an entire new season of Babylon 5 with all new episodes. And so begins. There is a hole in your mind. What do you want? No one here. It's exactly what he appears. Nothing's the same anymore. Commander Sinclair is being reassigned. Why don't you eliminate the entire non-home race? Oh, why don't we Reaching out of the stuff. Who are you? President Clark has signed a decree today declaring martial law. These orders have forced us to declare independence. That's why people get off their encounter-suited butts and do something. You are the one who wants to Zahadu who will die. Why are you here? Do you have anything worth living for? Think of my beautiful city. Giants in the playground. Get the hell out of our galaxy! We are here to place President Clark under arrest. Turn around. Very, very slowly. Hello, Mr. Garibaldi. Good to see you again. I was wondering how you were doing. Whether written, called. Shut up. Obviously haven't improved your manners. And welcome to the Epsilon 3, a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Each week, we review an episode of the 1990s sci fi TV classic Babylon 5. This week, Season 5, Episode 3 The Paragon of Animals. I'm Paul. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. And, and we, we are, are the Epsilon 3. And the synopsis. Sheridan clashes with the various member worlds of the Alliance over the Declaration of Principles. An isolated world asks for the Alliance's help in defending themselves against raiders. And Garibaldi attempts to recruit telepaths for intelligence operations. Written by JMS and directed by Mike Vijar, this episode was released on February the 4th, 1998, and takes place from January the 30th to January the 31st, 2262. And the guest stars. Oh my goodness. Tony... Abita Marco, sounds about right, as Verchan. Kim Strauss as the Drowsy Ambassador, of course. Uh, Daniel, Daniel Brian Cartwell as Mercat. He's got a nice um, uh, website, actually, about comparing website, uh, comparing insurance quotes and things. Compare the Mercat uh, for our British listeners. And Bart Johnson as a Ranger. Stop shaking your head. I can see you hitch. Uncredited, Bill Blair as Alien, Rachel Galvin, uh, oh, blimey, that was her middle name, Rachel Galvin Enfili as Refugee, or as an Enfili Refugee, depending on which it is, because I've actually missed out the as there, so I'll go for Enfili Refugee. There you go, I think that's what it was. <laughs> I don't think her last name's Enfili. You know what, it's been a really bad day, and I'm struggling to read this, but well, we'll carry on, we'll crack on. 
Nobody's listening anyway, Paul. Yes. Asking <laughs> if they were actually called him Philly, and then they named the alien after him. And uh, Christina Gavin as a telepath. So, guys, what did we think of this episode? Uh, it was a fine episode. Uh, getting to the nuts and bolts of the, of the universe here in season five. Not nothing spectacular, but it it wasn't particularly horrible. Uh, sure, we've got the telepaths, but they weren't that bad just yet that comes later in season five dan for your information but uh you know it it doesn't really stand out in in any way whatsoever how we you know we got the bad drowsy guy he, he looks like he's up to no good the whole time anyway uh but it was it was okay it was it was better than average uh is it the best episode of the season nope what do you think dan since this is the first time you saw it yeah, first time I've seen it. Um, it. It's starting to feel like a broken record in that it's a very competent episode. It's something we've been saying for the other two episodes of this season so far. It sort of knows what it wants to do, but it's still not spectacular. It's not great. And something doesn't qu still quite feel Babylon 5-y. It's almost like it's got all the parts. And it's got all the same people. But it just doesn't quite feel the same as the previous four seasons. I don't know what it is. Something just feels different. Um, you know, it, the fact that it's on another network is really coming through at the moment for me, watching this brand new, not really seeing it. Maybe it's because I don't have the nostalgia for this season that I have for the other seasons that I have seen. Um, yeah, it, it was competent. It made story sense, even if having the Drazi be the bad guys you know spoilers um it just i don't know it just didn't really feel right like we've we've known the drowsy for four years surely something like this would have come up that they were pressing an entire planet that has like the most resources of anyone else that's why they're so special and so interesting um you know all i can say is this would never have come up under a purple regime um it's entirely the the greens Yeah, there, there, yes, <laughs> it's. Uh, it, I, I don't know. I thought the Drowsy have always seemed to me as though they're very sort of on the edge of good bad people. Yeah, they either the yeah the they can quite easily go the wrong way. They'll certainly look out for themselves, and I think that you know that's what they're they're interested in. Even though they have uh, you know they're part of a this council, they really are sort of out out for everything they can get. And it's you know as long as everything's happening for, you know for them, that's fine. Um, but then, yeah, to find that something's been going on in the background and they've been, you know, pretty naughty, shall we say, all these years is uh, is a, a bit of a surprise. But anyway, let's move into the review. There is the usual chaos of a council meeting. At the clip here from the beginning, Garibaldi and Sheridan meet in the viewing room. Shikar is angry that nobody is following what he's written. Garibaldi says that writers are a sensitive bunch. They should try a harder approach. Writers are a sensitive bunch. I was wondering whether there was any strikes around that area or maybe there was something about to happen and uh, maybe somebody had pissed off the, uh, <laughs> the writers or something. Somebody was having a go at them there. Meanwhile, on some planets somewhere, bombs are being dropped as civilians are hiding underground. A ranger is brought into the shelter as one of the civilians tells another that... Word will now get back to Babylon 5, and they will all be saved. Bit of a confusing beginning here, because I, I sort of we just jumped into the scene of a, you know, all these civilians hiding in a, in a cellar somewhere, bombs going off. You don't know what's going on. You're aware there's a ranger there, but 
who who is he? Who are these people? What's going yeah. on? Why are why are the bombings happening? Yeah. Like not a clue. Yeah, he looks shocked when he goes in. He looks as though he's he's not expecting to see what he's seen. And then I didn't know whether he was going to be a good guy or a bad guy or what. He just it was a very odd beginning. It was. It was very strange. Sheridan, Delenn, Shikar, and Malari are cleaning up after the aftermath of the council meeting. Shikar is modifying the declaration. Shikar. <clears throat> Shikar. Hmm? Oh, sorry. I, I was modifying Clause 12 in the Declaration of Principles. I was thinking that if I could make it more linguistically suitable to the Drazi, they might be open to signing it. Great maker, I need a drink. Well, they don't like to say we commit to anything. They prefer the universe through us agrees to. Make that two drinks. Somehow, Jakar, I don't think a rewrite will solve the problem. Garibaldi wants to use the telepaths to gather more information, to which Sheridan says there are rules against using telepaths in such a way. But Garibaldi points out that those are psycho rules, and they are not part of the psycho. He wants to ask the telepaths if they will help, to which Sheridan agrees so long as Sheridan is not committed to anything. Garibaldi goes down below to find Byron. After some initial resistance, Byron is called. Telepathically, of course. Byron says the answer is no. Byron has been inside Garibaldi's head and has seen the whole argument before he could even ask it. Afternoon. My name is Michael Garibaldi. And... Yes, it is. And the answer is no. Wait a second. You didn't hear what I had to say. Yes, I did. I heard your proposition. I heard what you thought I would probably say in response. And I heard the counter-arguments you plan to use. I know you're having some discomfort with those shoes and that lunch is not sitting well with you just now. Not big on privacy, are you? I did nothing. Wait a minute. Do you know what a telepath has to do in order to avoid picking up stray thoughts? That was good. I, li I like that. They, he really called out who Garibaldi is as a person in the character. That's right. Yes, he. Um, yeah, it's a bit sneaky to go into somebody's mind without them asking first, really. Or, you know, especially if you're supposed to be, you know, you know wanting to stay on the, on the on on this uh, space station, and there's one of the security guards, and you've just gone straight into his head, and you know, it's a bit. He's not really thinking ahead, there, is he? Uh, Garibaldi says you wanted to be here and and work for your keep. Byron says they are not here to work for Sheridan or Garibaldi when they feel they need them or can use them, and dismisses Garibaldi. White Star 19 comes through the jump gate with a medical emergency. The patient is the ranger from the planet that was attacked from the beginning of the episode. He has multiple fractures and is in shock and tells Franklin he must help them as they are all going to die. Then he falls into a coma and there is nothing more Stephen can do as the damage was too severe and he is lucky to be alive at all. He obviously has some information that is necessary for the safety of a large amount of people. Delenn asks for a telepath to get the information from him, and Lita is called in, and she sees what the ranger knows. Raiders have come to a planet every couple of years over the last ten years, and have taken all of their resources from them. Recently, the civilians have hidden what the raiders seek and fought back, they wish to join the Alliance and will freely give every resource they have to join. The Ranger knows he is dying and asks Lita to make sure his death has meaning by making sure those he has left behind are safe. And then he heads towards the light. The civilians are, a, are from a world called Enfili and they are from the edge of Drazi space. 
but the Drazi have shown no interest in protecting them. Jakar and Malari agree they must intervene, but Sheridan does not want to get into another firefight. He knew that they would have this situation at some point, but he doesn't know what he's getting what he's getting into. Anybody who can trash a White Star must have superior firepower. Delenn says to send as many as they can afford to make a point. Sheridan to CNC. CNC, go. Contact the White Star fleet. Send as many as possible to rendezvous at a staging area in sector 500 by 9 by 13. Confirmed. What's the mission? The new Interstellar Alliance, fresh out of its crib and before it's even learned how to walk, is going to go find the neighborhood bully and pick a fight. He orders the White Star fleet to go to the edge of Drazi space and informs the Drazi ambassador what his plans are and gives him the details. Just outside the meeting place, Byron has been listening. He has a habit of hanging around, doesn't he, and listening in on things. He's not creepy at all. No. Garibaldi meets up with Lita as he has a job for her. She tells him that she has had a hell of a day, and she was inside the ranger's mind when he died. It's not something you are supposed to do, and she describes what it is like. I've been looking all over for you. I've got a job for you. Why, I'm fine, Mr. Garibaldi. Thank you so much for asking. <laughs> uh, sorry. How you doing? I have had a day. I heard Glenn told me. That's why I'm here. I thought that... Did she tell you I was inside his mind when he died? Do you have any idea what that feels like? Do you have any idea what that does to you? No, not really. And do you know why? Because you're not supposed to know. She's been through it only twice. When it happens, you see it as a door opening. Because there's no other way for the human mind to interpret what you're seeing. You feel the other person slipping away. And for a second, it catches you. It pulls you in. And a part of your soul goes with him. I don't believe in souls. Call it whatever you want. But inside, in here, there's a part of you that goes cold. Empty. Garibaldi asks if she can help to get Byron on side. However, she is reluctant to do so. He wants her to do this as a personal favour and will help to get he will help to get the alliance on side. She says if she does this for him, he will never ask for anything again. Until the next time. So she agrees. Sheridan can't sleep, which is just as well as an, there is a knock at the door. When he opens the door, there is nobody there, but there is a scroll on the floor. As he opens it, Delenn comes to see why he is awake. He cannot sleep because he is going over the things that he needs to do for the Enfili. Delenn asks him to read Jakar's message. <clears throat> the universe speaks in many languages, but only one voice. The language is not Narn or human or Centauri or Gaeum or Mimbari. It, sp it speaks in the language of hope. It speaks in the language of trust. It speaks in the language of strength and the language of compassion. It is the language of the heart and the language of the soul. Over the backdrop of the civilians on the planet and the ranger on his deathbed, Jakar's speech continues. But always it is the same voice. It is the voice of our ancestors speaking through us and the voice of our inheritors waiting to be born. It is the small, still voice that says, 
we are one. No matter the blood, no matter the skin, no matter the world, no matter the star, we are one. No matter the pain, no matter the darkness, no matter the loss, no matter the fear, we are one. Lita goes to meet Byron, who has had a go at her for, be for being a lapdog. Mr. Garibaldi. Yes, I know. He sent you. You're used to running other people's errands, aren't you? I can see it in your eyes. You're bearing. Here. Sit. No! It was not phrased as a request, now was it? It was phrased as an order. Sit. Stand. Roll over. Bark. Always taking orders. Running errands for other people. Good little telepath. Good little lapdog. Has it occurred to you that you deserve better? It always feels better to be asked rather than ordered. Sit. Please? It felt better, didn't it? To be asked. To have someone do for you for a change. That's why we're here. Because we're tired of being ordered around by those who cannot hear the song we hear. Tired of being used as cannon fodder, as inquisitors, as executioners and as bloodhounds. They forget we're human beings, too. No, not human beings. Better. That's why they're afraid of us. It's all ego, you know. He cites Shakespeare, specifically Hamlet. Act two, scene two. What a piece of work is man. How noble in reason. How infinite in faculties. In form and moving, how express and admirable. In action, how like an angel. In apprehension. How like a god, the beauty of the world, the paragon of animals, the paragon of animals. Byron asks Lita if it matters to her that he should help her friend. She says it matters to her. Byron says, for her sake, he will do it. Tell your friend that we will find amongst us two of them that are beyond reproach. They will find for him all the things that are dark and all the things that are secret. One more thing. A first installment on my promise. I passed the Drazi ambassador shortly after he finished talking to Sheridan. He was broadcasting his thoughts quite loudly. Tell your friend that the white stars they've sent to help the Infili are going into a trap. In a little while, they will all die. And all those they sought to protect will also be dead. Uh, in the council chamber, Sheridan shows everybody the Enfili homeworld, which is on the edge of drowsy space. Sheridan says that all of the worlds have been promised advice and technology. We have offered your worlds advice and technology, offered to help you coordinate food supplies and resources. Now we put another of our promises into effect. Your enemy is our enemy. Isn't that right, Ambassador? I... That's why we wanted you to be here in particular, Ambassador. To see our fleet in action. Can they think of a reason why they shouldn't? Unless you can think of a reason why we shouldn't. I... <sighs> is there something wrong, Ambassador? I... Uh... I need to call my government. We're in the middle of a council meeting. I'm sure it can wait until later. 
Yes, the battle should be starting very soon now. No, I, I need to talk to them. I need to talk to them right now. Why? Could it be because those are your ships coming to attack the Infili? The Drowsy Ambassador says you can't fire on the Drowsy ships. There are, they are allies. We're on the same side. Your ships have been working with the Raiders to exploit and terrorize those people for 10 years? I, I can't... Answer the question, Ambassador. Yes, yes, it's true. Please, you have to let me save them. We have hundreds of our people on board those ships. And the Infili have been dying by the thousands because of you. You can't fire on our ships. We're your allies. We fought alongside you during the Shadow War. We're on the same side. Are we? Sheridan allows the Drowsy to contact his government to stop the attack. Let me stop our fleet. Tell them to turn around. We will leave the Enfili unharmed. I, I, I swear to you, we will never bother them again. It is the best illustration that Sheridan could, uh, could show the council members. The, the Drowsy return home. Shikar hands out his updated version of the declaration, which is signed unanimously. Sheridan is looking over all of the signed declarations, when suddenly Jakar runs in and grabs them all off the desk. He needs to get them all to sign them again, as he has revised it, and this time it is better. Sheridan looks at it and agrees. Some days it's like living in a madhouse. He needs to get in touch with Garibaldi and agrees to his suggestion about getting more telepaths. But they are standing on the edge of a slippery slope. Lita visits Byron and the telepaths. She has decided that she would like to hear more about his ideas. And you know what else you'd like to hear more about? How about this promo for another podcast right here on the ESO Network? It's almost as though you read the script. Almost. <laughs> Hi, I'm Gina Shock from the Go-Go's, fabulous drummer of the Go-Go's. Hi, this is Tony Levin of King Crimson. Hi, this is David Fisher for the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Hi, this is Richard Evans. I am the author of Listening to the Music the Machines Make. Hi, this is Teresa Kariakis, punk rock photographer. Hi, I'm Tom Bojour, author of Nothing But a Good Time, and you are listening to Modern Musicology. Modern Musicology. Modern Musicology. You're listening to Modern Musicology. So, you know, pay attention. You might learn something. And the trivia. The title comes from what a piece of work is a man. How noble in reason, how infinite in faculty, in form and moving, how express and admirable. In action, how like an angel, in apprehension, how like a god. The beauty of the world, the paragon of animals, and yet, to me, what is this quintessence of dust? Man delights not me. No, nor woman neither. Though by your smiling you seem to say so. That's the full quote. And what's it from? It's from uh, Hamlet. Uh, act, act two, scene two. And where else have we heard it in other media? Because mm. it sounds Ooh. very familiar. I feel like someone who's a little bit more Lord Balding, um, uh, who is uh, talking to a godlike entity of some sort uh, in his ready room, perhaps. That's the reference right there. That is correct, but he doesn't say the whole quote. He no, no, he's a bit of it. Because I was going to add it here, but I found something else who could do better than me, so I'm going to put it in there. 
So, so you know, he said it with conviction, not irony, obviously. Mm. True. Uh, so other than that, are there any other Star Trek connections? Uh, much like last week, no, there is none. Oh, not a single one. No. no, I couldn't find any either. We are bereft of Star Trek connections. Mm. Okay, so let's move on to our rating system. Uh, we rate uh, these episodes out of five jump gates, and uh, IMDb rate the episodes out of out of ten, and they've given it a seven point four. Which, on our scale, if I click over to this spreadsheet instead, is three point seven. So, Sean, what did you rate this episode? Uh, actually, immediately after watching it, I wrote down three point seven five. Uh, I don't know if that's too generous for this episode or not. Uh, it's it's fine. It's it's decent. Uh, there's nothing outstanding about it, it, but there's nothing really bad about it either, I guess. So yeah, three point seven five seems to be where it where it sits for me. Yeah, Dan, what did you think of this episode? Yeah, I was thinking last week I did a three point five for Lando's episode because I enjoyed Lando's performance in this one. There wasn't really a standout thing for me. I mean, I love Jakar's comedic moments where he comes in and wants to rewrite the the declaration and everything like this. But, uh, you know, as I said before, it's a very competent episode. It knows what it wanted to do, but it's just not, um, you know, amazing. Um, so I don't think I could give it more than last week's because it wasn't really something I would want to come back to and watch again. Um, so I'm going to go for a 3.25. Okay. Um, originally, I was thinking of a 3.25, but that would have given it the same score as last uh, week's episode. And as you said, Dan, there was a little bit more in that. There was a little bit more humour. There was the Veer and, and Linnea scene. And I think this lacked something. Uh, it was good. It was competent. It was a good. It was an average episode, which is pretty much why I'm going to give it a, a 3. Um, which is slightly lower than my average, um, because I just don't feel it didn't. I wouldn't come back and watch this one. If that's, it, you know, that's, hey, what what did I give last week's episode? Do you have uh, that there? Yeah, last week you gave the episode as a three point two five. Okay, then I'm going to change my rating and give Paragon of Animals a three point two five as well. Okay, we can do that. Because yeah, three point seven five is way too high for this. It, yeah. it wasn't good. Yeah, it just lacks his impression of Londo. I just thought that was that was a nice little moment as well. Just so imagining your principles are a bit too high now. It was, it was a very good you know moment. I, I thought it was quite nice, but again, it's just little tiny moments. That's not enough to make a whole episode. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole drowsy thing I liked. You know, that's like outwitting them by you know, well finding out that they were going to uh, they're the ones behind it all. You know, by you know, Lita getting into the mine and. It was a, it was handy. It was good. Um, I, you know, the whole the whole idea of that, you know, I, I like that story. But that by itself is not enough to, you know, to drive the episode. Uh, there's some interesting bits with Garibaldi trying to recruit Lita, and you know, Lita at the end going to the telepaths. You know, feeling as though obviously she's got a bit of a home there because she is basically a rogue telepath as well. Um, so. Yeah, and I mean, who couldn't resist Byron? I mean, yeah. So yeah, so there we go. It's um, not a, uh, a particularly brilliant. It, yeah, um, it doesn't really stand out for any reason whatsoever. No. Nah. Okay, so that is the end of this episode. 
Join us next week when we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 4, A View from the Gallery. If you have any thoughts on this episode, why not send in some feedback to the epsilon3 at gmail.com. That's three, spelled T-H-R-E-E, not the number. Or you can find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Epsilon 3. Now, if you have any other problems, any other questions at all, just ask. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.